0: Welcome to this Strengthening Families and Communities Forum on today, um, May 29th, 2022. I'm so grateful you could join. Uh, I'd like to welcome April, April Gillard, to um, join us. And she's going to share also, uh, you know, on the topic, Strengthening Families, Communities, the Protective Effect of True True Parents. And April, welcome.
1: I missed all of your wonderful content so far because I know you guys always have a lot to contribute um, from things that you have experienced and things that you know um Stephanie I would say I think what women's weakness is is that women are typically pleasers True. right and oh, so women want to want to make we, we naturally we're nurturers but we also gain satisfaction out of making people happy typically and so when a man says, I need this from you for, for a woman will say, well, I want this man to stay with me. And so they eventually give in, is what I'm saying. And so I think that there's a lot of education that needs to happen for girls and boys when they're very young from the time they're babies. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I was speaking with, um, um, a, a friend the other day and, um, he is my age, but he got, um, married a second time to a woman who's a lot younger and they have a couple of young children and, um, they're both girls. And he's, I, I just started telling him, I said, you know, he told me some of the things he was doing with these girls and he was teaching them and how much time he spent with them as, as a father. And I said, what a gift, what a gift you're giving those girls. And he said, what do you mean? I said, you are teaching them how a man should treat a woman. I know you're a father with a daughter but you're teaching those girls how a man is supposed to behave he's supposed to treat them like they are treasures right and they look at him and they just love to spend time with him and i said do you know how many children are growing up in this world without that father in the home to 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 have that relationship with them and that's another issue that you know we're dealing with is there's a lot of homes where there is not a father in the home and it's not always you can't always point a finger at a certain it's because of this or that or the other it's just this is these things happen but i i don't think fathers themselves are given enough credit for sure on their role in raising children because um you know nowadays we're just called parents you know even on school forms it's the parent or you know get a parent to sign this. No one wants to use the words mother and father, and I think there's, there's, there's a real, I know there's a real effort behind that. I mean, you know, I, I spoke before about, you know, our work at the international level at the UN, and I know that there is a constant effort there to eliminate those words. They are now trying to redefine the word sibling to mean, so I went, I, I listened to a workshop last year because everything has still been virtual. And in this workshop, they had all these different people who were on there as the experts, you know and they were you know a trans somebody and a you know they even had a sex worker and all these different people and someone was a disabled you know person, so they have their category and they were all on there talking about uh, their various issues. And one of the people brought up and said, this was a, the trans person sitting there um, a, a, looks like a man wearing a flowered dress and saying, we we need to help kids who are growing up in families that don't accept their identities and we need to become their family. And so they now have anyone who is an ally to that child who is who is claiming a new identity, those are now their siblings and they use that word. And I thought, this is not good because they are, they've been trying to destroy the family so long, they realize they can't do that. So now what they're doing is they're redefining what a family is. Now, I'm the, I'm the first person to tell you, a family isn't necessarily blood, okay? There are people in my life that are not related to me by blood that, are, that I consider family. However, to redefine what a family is and to use those words and to make them into something else, kind of like how they say, now men can get pregnant and men can have babies and all the, the redefinition of, Of what we know to be the way god created things it's intentional it's intentional they want to to confuse and distort the way god has planned for us to come to this earth and live our lives and we all here know that the family is essential to that right that is like a cornerstone foundation of any society that has any kind of strength any government any nation state they are all based on the strength of its families And so why do you think they're trying to destroy families all over the world because they, the whole UN thing is linked into that global governance thing right and they know the family is the thing that's standing in their way. And so one of the ways they get the family to break apart, as you know, is by sexual immorality. Okay, and to try to teach children from the time they're young and something Stephanie mentioned I I've been talking about for years. I never understand why they have bikini bathing suits for a toddler. I don't understand that, you know, a bikini was created to be a sexual type of look for a woman, right? To turn a man on. Okay. We all know this. So why are you putting one on a toddler? I don't, and they'll say, well, it's just a, no, it's not a bathing suit. You could get them a one piece, but I don't understand. They have all these little outfits for little girls now. They have little shoes for little girls. They have heels on them. And you're thinking they're not adults, they're children. And so that blurring of the lines, I think is one of our biggest obstacles and things that we have to focus on is we need to reestablish some of those lines because all of those lines are now seen as judgmental and they're seen as shaming. So you are shaming someone by drawing a line. And they, they're very good at this. And they make you feel like you are the one that's the bigot. You're the one that, that hates people. You're the one that, you know, and this is why there's such an attack on anyone who tries to draw a line. But the moral ambiguity that we've gotten ourselves into is why kids are so confused, OK? So Richard asked me to talk specifically about benefits to children having a married mother and father. I can't just say married parents anymore because it doesn't necessarily mean a mother and a father. <laughs> and how to teach children that abstinence and the traditional family model, um, how does that affect children's paths as adults? So whether they end up as you know in single motherhood or they have sexual trauma, how does this affect their healthy family formation? All these different things. So I was just gonna give you a few facts um, that you may know or may not know. Um, married couples, as opposed to cohabitating um, couples, express higher satisfaction, better physical, emotional, financial health than cohabiting or single parents. Married heterosexual couples produce strong parent-child bonds. And kids born and raised by mother and father experience better health, fewer emotional behavior problems, better cognitive and verbal development, greater educational and job attainment, less exposure to crime, a lower risk of being sexually abused and will have less marital problems of their own, which I think is interesting because I've talked to people who say, well, you, you can't just say you support marriage and, and a man and a woman being married because sometimes the marriage isn't healthy. And I'll say, I agree. But it's kind of like the abortion argument, right? They always bring up the tiny little, you know, the, the, the smaller amount of the negative and apply it to the whole thing. And therefore, the whole thing should be thrown out. You know, and so um, interestingly enough, the, some of the facts I just read are also um, directly correlatable to children who choose to have sex as to children who choose to remain abstinent. Okay. And I think we need to stop calling them teens. They're children. As long as they are minors, they are children. And I think that's another problem that's happened is that they start calling them young adults. They're not, no, they are children. Okay. A minor is a child. And when you call them children, I think in your head, it helps your head readjust and it helps the person you're speaking to readjust. That this is a child. I don't care if she's 17, she's a child, okay? And then children are not capable of making these types of decisions. So something Stephanie mentioned as well as the way women interpret or girls interpret physical affection, physical contact with the way boys interpret that. I think we can make changes on both you know, as, as parents and adults in this society. I think there's a lot of things we can do to teach boys and girls how to treat each other appropriately, right? Um, okay, another fact for you. A 2014 study shows unmarried Americans ages 18 to 34 that there was a correlation between the number of sexual partners and, and their future marital satisfaction. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, women with multiple sexual partners before marriage had less happy marriages and higher incidence of divorce. Does anyone talk to children about that? No. They only talk to them and say, You should, and I, I hear that I heard this in UN meetings all the time. We have a right to be happy. We have a right to sexual pleasure. We have a right to whatever they're, they're think, they make up these rights all the time. And you've seen this filter down now into stuff in our country, in the United States. And this is where that comes from is to try to separate the child from the family. I used to think it was to, so they could create more people to control about the way they think. I'm starting to see the more I'm seeing now, I don't even think that's the goal anymore. I think the goal at this point, honestly, it is to control the children but it's to it's to get the children so to speak because they know if they can get them to think this way that child is now completely comfortable talking about sex with anyone engaging in any kind of sexual act with anyone because they've been told for years this is how to be happy so how do you counter that yes you can spout facts at children they don't care right but by the time they're little, there's little things I found that are really important. Obviously, having them have their own relationship with their father in heaven is huge, right? To be able to let them know that there is a purpose to being on this planet, right? A lot of kids just grow up thinking, oh, I'm trying to be a good person or I'm trying to this. There has to be more than that. There has to be a purpose as to why are you trying to be good? What is it? What is the purpose of you being making good choices? What is the purpose? And then what they're hearing a lot in you know whether it's social media or with their friends at school or through entertainment, as Stephanie mentioned, I mean, uh, you know you think back to I think I said this before, I don't know if it was this meeting or another one. you think back to movies like, look at you know any movie that was produced in like the seventies, okay, and if they had a a a kiss scene, it was a very chaste little peck, mm-hmm. you know, and that was it, and we thought that was so romantic back then, you know I always think of the Uh, Han Solo, Leia kiss, you know, a little peck and everybody thought, oh, you know, and now look at movies. They don't do that at all, right? And how has that changed over? That's only been what, 40 years? Now, that's a long time, but you see the gradual increase of how they've come, gotten us to accept the fact that that's that's not a kiss, that's a peck. So all these things that you teach children when they're little, teach it. I find you got to teach them to respect their body. Teach them to respect the fact that their body is a gift from heaven and that God gave it to them for a reason and that there are things that they should be doing with that body and there are things that shouldn't be doing with that body. And then you have to teach them what those things are. I think too many parents don't want to actually be open and and forthright with their children and, and actually use terminology that they may be uncomfortable with. They may want to talk about their child. I mean, I remember the first time one of my kids came and said, mom, what does sexy mean? And I think my daughter was nine or eight or nine. And I remember thinking, oh, how do I explain this? You know, but I'm thinking we have to have these conversations with our children. Even if you go over the Ten Commandments, it talks about don't commit adultery. How do you explain that to a child? But I'm just saying there's things we have to have taught. There's no more one talk. There's multiple talks, right? You have to talk with your children throughout their lives about various things. Teach girls that they should expect to look for a man who respects them as a daughter of God not just a girl who's cute because that's all she cares about when she's 13 right she wants to be cute and wants a guy to think she's cute and wants all the interaction but to think have her start thinking about and making a plan and setting something else i realized is no one's teaching these kids anymore how to set goals have you noticed that nowhere (laughs) nowhere in school uh, parents aren't sitting down with their kids to set goals with them like how are you supposed to Expect them to get to a certain point if you never teach them how to get there. You know what I'm saying? So like, I remember when my kids were little, I remember saying something about being married or having kids and they're like, go, oh, I don't want to have kids that. And, I, and so I thought I have to change this. So I started talking to them and I would just change one word. And I said, you know, someday when you're a mother, someday when you're a husband, you're going to want to make sure that you learn this. Or when you have a wife, I, my one son who was always very bad about saying he would go up to his room angry and wouldn't, didn't want to talk to anybody. And this was when he was like eight. So I was like, oh boy. So I remember, you know, trying to get him to talk. And over time, I just said, you know, one day you're going to have a wife and she's not going to appreciate the fact that you won't tell her what's going on. She's going to want you to talk to her. So when you're ready, come talk to me. But those kinds of conversations, just that little tiny change of saying when when you're a father, when you're a mother, when you have kids, when you get married, it starts to let them see this is the path I should follow to be happy. And then the other thing I think we got to do, and I know this is a kind of a precursor to the whole abstinence thing is married couples need to show their children the joy of being married, right? Mm -hmm. Because kids nowadays, they're thinking, all they think about is, I have my, my boys are 20 and 22 and I told them, when you go to college, you're dating for marriage. I know a lot of parents think that's crazy. And I told them, you know what, if you are looking for a young woman who has a relationship with God, who understands that she's a daughter of God and who, um, who is looking for, uh, you know, someone who wants to have children, hopefully. But you have to teach your children like how to navigate these different decisions. And I think, you know, there's there's not enough kids from the time they're little to teenagers that understand the goal setting part of life and how their life like if you were to ask them at 10, what does your life look like in the next 10 years? Most of them probably would say something they may not have an answer. Some of them might. But how do we talk them so we can start getting them to respect that, that there there are decisions that need to be made to have a happy life. So I think if parents sit down and talk their kids a little bit more about how you and mom met and why you decided to get married and what, you know, why, why you respect mom and and then kids need to see their parents date. Honestly, they need to see their father, you know, opening mom's door and thing going back to the old way things were done where men respected women and women appreciate that respect. And I think a lot of, you know, the feminism stuff has been good as far as being able to get women to be able to have, you know, a lot some men to be able to see women as capable, but it's also been really damaging because women now almost see like, I don't need a man. You see women say that, I don't need a man. I can do it by myself. And if you start teaching children when they're little that there's beauty in marriage, there's beauty in being a, a mother and a father and all the wonderful things that you love about it. Cause my kids, I would say things to me sometimes like, gosh, mom, I'm sorry. I know it's been really hard on you being a mom. And I'd always follow it up with saying it, it, it's not easy but I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's been amazing. And I'm so thankful that I've had all you kids. It's been It's been wonderful. They need to hear that this is what brings joy. And the way you get the joy the fullest is by living your life and making certain choices along the way. And, you know, the abstinent thing I think is, it's so difficult now because you get kids now thinking that they're abstinent because they haven't had intercourse, but they've done all sorts of other things, right? And so they think they're abstinent. so there's all sorts of conversations we have to have, but I do think it, the foundation of it really lies in respect, respect for God and respect for other human beings, because what they're being taught everywhere else is that other human beings are objects, right? There's someone that's gonna bring you pleasure. There's someone that's gonna give you what you want. Even this happens in friendships, not even just talking about sexual relationships. And so I think that the more parents, you know, um, I, I, I taught the, the children at my church for a few years and I was in charge of them. And every time that um, we would have the little ones go out to go to class and we'd have the older ones come in, we would have to switch to the larger set of chairs. And I'd have the, they would be waiting at the door and I'd invite them in and I'd say, gentlemen, would you please switch out the chairs for the ladies? Mm-hmm. And you should have seen the looks and the you know, rolling of eyes I got at first. By the time this had been going on for a year, they loved it. The boys would come right in. They knew exactly what they were supposed to do. Now, this is such a simple thing. And I'm not saying this is the answer to everything. I'm just saying that I think that there's a lot that can be learned from teaching children that there is a difference between a girl and a boy and that you need to respect those differences and appreciate those differences right because I listened to something um on my way home of uh, you know one of those campus things where they go interview kids on it was Cal State Fullerton and they asked you know about the pregnant man emoji and they asked these kids you know have you seen it what do you think about it and initially they're all like oh you know it's very it's very inclusive it's very this And then the more they talked to them, they said, you know, but I don't really, I mean, I've never really met a pregnant man, so I don't know. So I mean, this is what, these are college age kids, right? So I mean, they're being dealt, especially with all the social emotional learning in the schools now, they're being taught that everything is okay as long as someone is doing it and they're happy with it. So we have to come in again, like I said, we have to draw some lines and kids are gonna automatically see that if they're older as, oh, you're judging you know, don't hate stuff like that. No, 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 no. This is not judging. This is because, and you have to explain reasons why you're placing these lines where they are. And that's where you can start talking about how you appreciate the fact that when, you know, your, your, your child's father, my, me as the mother, we appreciate the fact that we both respect sexual relations and, and and affection between men and women and we, ex- we respect that because kids will go on first dates and make out and go home and have sex you know and i'm thinking this is so backwards like we have to get them to start thinking that this isn't a first of all it's an adult activity right as children they're not ready to engage in this at all they're not psychologically ready they're not emotionally ready and for girls, they're not physically ready. They can actually experience a lot of physical damage, interior speaking, from having sex at a young age. But the main thing is the social, uh, the, the emotional and psychological damage that they go through because this is an adult activity. It's like asking them to go take on a career at age 12. It's, it's a similar thing, but there's so much more emotional damage because of that you, you connect with people. And kids need to understand as well that, you know, any kind of physical affection is something that implies a personal connection. And so they have to you have to start putting person back into the equation of physical affection for any reason because kids don't hear that from anybody else. They hear that as this is just what you do. Or like Stephanie mentioned, you know, girls are going to do this because that's what the boys want. And there's a lot of girls that are pressured into that because that's what their boyfriends want or that's what, you know, they, they, it's, it's, it's just become normal, and so um, one of the other facts on this I thought was interesting was it said, um, relationships are easier to break up from when you have remained abstinent. The power of physical intimacy will keep people from realizing whether the relationship is solid or not. So another thing we can teach children is how are you supposed to know if you should be in a relationship with someone if you had sex right off the bat? You, you, it, it it confuses everything. You don't know who this person is. You just want to have that connection again. And a lot of kids are connecting because they feel isolated anyway. So what can we do as parents to write to and grandparents and, and, and family members to help them feel like they do have a connection so they're not seeking that out in ways that are going to hurt them, right? So how are we going to get them to feel like they're connecting. I think one of the ways to do that is to make sure that we have a good, solid, you know, family time together. One of the things we did with our kids growing up is we would have we just, you know, we picked Monday night. Every Monday night we would have what we called family night and we would sit together and we would have, you know, have some fun together. We'd share some scriptures together. We would just have time together where everybody blocked that time out and it was time for the family. And so if something came up, it was like, well, can you do it on a different night every now and then there would be something that we couldn't move. And so we had to move our night to a different night. And we tried to keep it that night. And, you know, initially it was a struggle. The kids were like, I have homework or I need to do this. And, but as time went on, you could tell they were really appreciating that. I think if families take more intentional time, whether it's over the dinner table, family vacations, whether you choose to have time, you know, on the Sabbath to have time with your family, whatever you choose to do, but the kids, if they have that foundation, and then however your extended family looks, like I said, sometimes it might be non-blood, you know, friends, and sometimes it's relatives. I think kids need that additional structure of other people to know that they have a, a, a tree of people they can go to, if that makes sense, because then they don't feel the isolation as much, you know, when they have, they know they have someone they can go talk to, and that's why they're connecting with people online, and then getting into these hookups situations is because they feel they feel alone. And this makes them feel like they have somebody that is there. Here's a couple of the facts I was mentioning, but just specifics about kids that remain abstinent. This is something you can you can think about, you can think about as we raise children. But I think as Richard said, it requires a whole social switch of how we think about, you know, sexual intimacy, and stop calling it sex calling it sexual intimacy because it really is an intimate activity right and to if kids understand that hopefully they might think a little bit more about it but i do think a lot of it comes down to teaching them to respect god and to respect the body he gave them and to respect the way god wants us to live which is to to form families right and it's hard hard and another thing they don't tell kids it's harder to form a family if you have all of these trauma from having engaged in such an adult intimate activity as a child, right? And so I know these are very clinical ways to look at it, but I think the way, as far as it's gotten at this point, we probably need a little bit of that kind of conversation because before, not everybody's gonna respond to the religious prompt at this point, right? (laughs) And so I think there's a lot of people that might respond more to just saying, let's just slow down and let them be kids. Let's let them be children a little bit longer. And let's teach them the benefits of being a child and saving adult activities for when you're an adult. And even then to respect, you know, again, they don't teach them anything about respecting their bodies or respecting other people's bodies. That's someone's body. It's not a person. And that's how they're taught. That's someone's body over there. And so when people hook up, that's all it's about It's about, I, I need to have you know satisfaction or pleasure from this person's body, instead of getting them to think about them as a person. So again, there's a lot of relationship building things we can teach children when they're young. All of this blends into helping them to remain abstinent. I don't think it's just conversations about sexual abstinence. I think there's a lot of conversations that have to happen about um, how to have a relationship. So the programs that they have in schools um, I know Richard was mentioning about curricula in schools and Virginia is pretty bad, honestly, but um, that all of that's coming from the teacher unions and the teacher unions are funded by a bunch of other people that you know they don't always let us know who they are. The fact that they're funding this is, is pretty telling, but we try we always try to get in um, what they call sexual risk avoidance programs or SRA. And those programs are very different than what you see in the schools. In those programs, guess what they focus on? Character development, leadership skills, right? Because a kid who has confidence and who who strives for certain character traits like honesty and determination and hard work and kindness. And so a, a child that's got those as goals, again, going back to goal setting, is that child gonna feel a need to seek attention in other ways? No, because that child already feels fulfilled that child feels fulfilled and confident through the things that child has learned and feels confident in their own skin so to speak they know how to talk to another human being there was a teacher that was talking about um, how she has a regular activity at the end of her periods and says you know her class periods and says put your phones away and i want you all just to talk to each other no phones and at least half the class had a really hard time with that at first like they put their phone down they just kind of look they don't look at people you know kids have lost that ability so there's a lot that has to happen i think just with getting kids to see other people as people right to how to form a, a relationship how to have a friend and that all is foundational work for teaching them also the benefits of and goal setting of having a family and forming a healthy family because healthy family formation is sorely lacking in most conversations all over the place at this point. Here's some facts on abstinence with kids. So it says um, teens who abstain from sex are less likely to be depressed and to attempt suicide. Right. To have ST to have STDs, which now they call STIs. Do you know they changed that? I know. Do you know why they changed it? Because a disease sounds permanent. So now it says sexually transmitted infection, because that's more that that sounds more temporary. Okay, so now they call them, that's why they call them, I'm not kidding. That's why they call them, as. they're lying to these children, okay? They said they're less likely to have children out of wedlock and to live in poverty and welfare as adults. Um, They're more likely to have stable, enduring marriages if they remain abstinent. And again, why do you think that is? Because they actually respect the other person and they respect sexual intimacy as being something that's special. I think if we can return sexual intimacy to children and in terms of being sacred and being a gift from God as a gift of being able to create life, like I don't think they think of it that way at all, you know, most of them. Um, So it says uh, as far as academic performance with abstinence, it says um, they are 60% the abstinent kids less likely to be expelled, 50% less likely to drop out and twice as likely to graduate from college. Um, then it says uh, there's two there's two explanations. When they did this study, people say, "Oh, those kids came from better neighborhoods, or those kids came from you know a better home." No, 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 no. They they actually you know um, ruled uh, did did their study so it would make all that equal. And uh, they said teens who abstain will be subject to less emotional turmoil and fewer psychological distractions. That's why they get better grades. It says this will enable them to focus on their schoolwork. The second point was that the uh, academic achievement is promoted by common underlying character traits. So abstinence and academic achievement go together because these kids are likely to have greater future orientation, greater impulse control, that's a huge one, greater perseverance, greater resistance to peer pressure and more respect for parental and societal values right? So I don't know if you know this, but one of the reasons why they teach the graphic sex ed or the, or the, the SR, um, SRR, sexual risk reduction, all they care about is reducing a little bit, which actually it doesn't. The sexual risk reduction programs you see in schools, they actually, the reason they put it, these things in is they are, were put in initially as anti-bullying programs because they said if you don't teach the way a gay couple can have sexual intimacy, you're, being, you're bullying, those, those kids are gonna get bullied as being different. This is why they added it in, okay? So now they have to add all these other ways to have sexual intimacy so those kids don't feel left out or judged. And then we said, okay, why don't you just teach kids that they shouldn't be engaging in any sexual relations at all whether gay or straight while they're children. Well, we can't do that because that would shame and judge the children who are engaging already All right. so so let's not ask them to be better than what they are right let's just let's just help meet them where they're at and let's just you know help them to, to get through and you know i was speaking with a friend of mine who used to teach for planned parenthood um, in texas and she was doing this back in the 90s this is how long it's been going on and she realized after a while um, and in her case she she realized she she had a, her own spiritual conversion and realized, I shouldn't be doing this. But she started explaining what she was teaching. And she says, the whole thing that they teach from that angle, so this is what we have to combat on the other side, right? The whole reason what they teach on that side is to teach children to eroticize all sorts of things. So when they talk about lessons on consent, what that really means is you are getting a, 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 a two kids, talking to each other. And one is saying, would you be comfortable if I did this? No. Well, how about if I did this? No. After you ask someone enough questions, what happens? They give in, right? Okay. Okay. Fine. So consent lessons, they talk about that again, how they bring consent in. They brought it into supposedly, um, help a child escape being sexually assaulted. That's their reasoning. What's happening is it's giving these kids all these ideas. So again, it's making them think of other children as not people, not someone to have a friendship with, it's someone who's gonna give me something, right? So again, if we as parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, commun- you know, friends and neighbors teach children the importance of seeing other people, truly caring about them as people, And then secondary to that, if you can get into the religious aspect of it with them, because not everybody's ready for that, but to teach them initially to see them as people and then secondarily to see them as children of of God, right? We need to see them all as this is a person, not someone who's going to provide something for me. And we're such a me, me, me society. That's how kids see things now. Well, I want to hang out with so-and-so because he's cool. Well, do you know this? Do you care about this person? The interpersonal relationship skills of children nowadays are sorely lacking. And I think that's a huge foundational problem as to why they're turning to sexual intimacy. Yeah, it says a childbirth by a teen girl is very likely to lead to a premature end to education. However, teenage childbearing does not seem to be the major factor leading to academic differences. Even when girls who gave birth before 18 are excluded, the differences between abstinent and sexually active teens remain virtually unchanged. So, again, they're more likely to drop out of high school, less likely to go to college, um, m- much more likely to have psychological trauma, right? Because you're engaging in something that you're re- just not ready for at all. And in most cases, you're doing it because you've been pressured to do it or as you felt like someone thinks you should do it or because your friends are asking, how come you haven't done it? And so the way I think that we get counteract that is to teach children again, there is a purpose to your life. There is a there are goals we need to set for your life, even when they're four and five, you can help them set small goals. You know, I'm going to um, make my bed every day. That sounds not like anything we're talking about, but you're teaching them how that set goal setting and how, how you choose to live your life matters, right? Um, all of these things I think matter. By the time they get to be teenagers, there's so many things they need to be taught, but I think the relationship building is huge. And then again, showing children that marriage is beautiful and desirable because they're being told the opposite everywhere else. You know, go have fun, have a career, travel, and so my boys that are 20 and 22, they're saying, yeah, I, I I would love to be married. And you know, what most of the girls they they talk to are saying, well, it's probably gonna be several years before I think about that. So again, like they're thinking, well, I, I, that that's for later. That's for later, but they'll make out with someone on the weekend, but they don't want to, you know, so it's just, there's this whole kind of mix up and way, the way young people are thinking about you know, fam, marriage and family at this point, really. And I think we really have to go back to teaching them why that's a valuable thing, because no one else is doing that. I mean, when I would tell people for years, I was a stay-at-home mother because I wanted to raise my children and I was blessed to be able to do that. But when you tell people that, it's like the respect for you just goes like this. You can see it in their eyes, you know, like, oh, you don't have a career. So I started saying, I do you work. I say, yes, I work for free. And then I would tell them what I do, I would say, you know, I, I I have four children and I work every single day, I work all day long, I sometimes work at night, like this is what I do. And I would always make sure I would tell people because I had four and I would get a lot of people looking at me like, Oh, my gosh, that don't you know how to stop having children. And I said, every single one of them was on purpose. And it's such a joy and then they would just kind of leave me alone cuz i didn't know what else to say but your children get to hear that too right they get to hear moms say i love being a mom and so now they're grown i still will tell them i love being your mom being a mom is the best thing ever that i've ever done it's i mean it's superseded now by grandma but you know I, <laughs> I i i think they need to hear that they need to hear like i'm so happy that you're my son i love being your mom like that needs to happen too but i think that and then also you know, kids need to know the benefits of healthy family formation, have that as a goal. Like having, forming a family is a good goal to have because no one is helping them set that goal. I can guarantee it, no one. They're going to want to know where you're going to go to school, what career do you want, all this other stuff. They don't want to know that you want a family. Everyone's going to look down on that.
0: I like that, benefits of forming a family. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking about earlier about the, my premise of, you know, the importance of, of uh, you know, te- breaking the generational cycle of poverty by, you know, making abstinence something that's expected and that parents should tell their children it's expected, you know. Yep. Regardless of whether they abstain or not, thinking of what's best for their children.
1: Right, and and if they get into a situation like that, I think this is the other hard thing, is parents have to be willing to have difficult, even uncomfortable conversations with their children because sometimes their children will see porn somewhere or you know they're gonna see it, they're gonna see it. They're saying now by age eight or nine, they're gonna see it, okay? Kids have phones and stuff. And so you need to be able to, your child, child needs to know they can come to you, they can come to maybe other family members as well, and they can talk to you about these things because that's the other problem is they think, oh, they don't understand. And so they go talk to their peers or they go online, right? So again, I think we have, we have to start Stop, don't have a freak out because it's hard as a parent not to have a freak out if something like that happens but to be able to just be calm and say okay well tell me what happened tell me you know how did you feel when that happened like you know how do you think this may does this make you a better person by doing this how, what what did you to get inside their head a little more and I think a lot of parents aren't prepared for those conversations it's hard to prepare for those conversations but I think the more we can have our children feel like they can talk to me um they need this my my one of my married daughters just told me the other day she said um mom she had had a, a when she was dating her now husband she was very stressed and she said you know what what if, what if what if he breaks up with me what if is not the right one what if what if you know all her anxiety was going like this and i just said her name is beth i said beth how does he treat you how do you feel when you're around him does he does he love the lord you know how does he treat his own mother You know, I asked her all these questions um, and all her answers were the right answers. And I said, I think that you're kind of freaking yourself out of this. Anyway, we talked it through. She got married. She's been very happy. They're they're having their first baby. She'd been married almost four years. She's doing great. She told me recently, she said, mom, if I didn't have you to talk me through that, I don't know what would have happened. So again, we have not just parents, Anyone who loves someone who's going through this, it could be a child, a young adult, it could be a 40 or 50 year old, right? But they need to have someone they can go to that they trust that knows that I can talk to this person, this this person that loves me and they're not gonna freak out, right? I can talk to them and they're gonna, to have someone to talk to. That's what these kids are looking for is connection. So we gotta get them to get away from that connection being sexual in nature and start seeing them. I think it's huge to get them to start seeing people as people. Teach them how to have a friendship, a real friendship with someone, not someone that's online, not someone that's in a class at school, but someone that they have take time to spend time with. They care about this person. They're invested in this person. If you ask most kids nowadays, if they have, if they're invested in their friends as people, I don't think you're going to get a lot of yeses. They hang out with them because they have fun. It's all about them, right? but are they really, do they really care about that person? When that person is having a hard day, when that person's parent died, when that person's, you know, whatever, I don't think most kids would be able to say yes. I was teaching my 22 year old son this just the other day, because he's always been very self-sufficient, you know, does his own thing. And I said, how, how often do you like meet people and just care about them because you you think it'd be fun to, to have them as a friend instead of, well, is this a coworker? Is this someone I could potentially date? Is this a, you know, instead of how they're going to fit into my life, do you just care about them as a person? He's 22 and I'm still teaching him that lesson. And guess what? He's been praying about it. And he said, I'm getting it. Like I'm looking at people now and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to find out, you know, what she did over the weekend, a coworker or whatever, or, you know, I found out so-and-so is really struggling with, you know, raising her daughter and, to start seeing people as they have a life just like you. They have hopes and dreams and and disappointments and all of that. I think kids in, by nature are self-centered, right? We all know this. That that's how they, they identify themselves at first. But as they grow, they have to learn this. And I think the more they learn this and see other people as not objects, but as people, I think it's huge.
0: Amen. Honestly. Okay, so is there other uh, some questions? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, April. Yeah, <laughs> it's so insightful. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'd like to also yeah, I'll send I'll uh, re- send you the recording too. you can see. I would
1: you, love that. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear the rest talking of it. About.
0: Yeah. So uh, yeah, other other questions, comments for April.
1: Uh,
2: yes, yeah, April, 3rd. what you were reading from uh, mm-hmm. as you went along, what was what,
1: that uh, document? What's the source there? Um, that was, I had to look for it on a certain, um, <laughs> uh, search engine because certain, not every search engine will show stuff like this. Now, uh, let me get it right here for you. I can put it in the chat. I'll, I'll put a link in the chat.
2: Okay. Thanks very much. Cause I, yeah. I, I, I collected some similar stuff, but I, I, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I thought that would be interesting. And then you, you mentioned the, um, sra program as opposed to the srr
1: yes. programs
2: um, yes. h- how can one uh get to look at the sra program uh, Is it online? so
1: there's a really good website and i'm going to put it in the chat while i look for the other um, link because i have it on my phone so i have to transfer the link to my laptop so i can put so that website there we collects sra curricula and even grades them and okay. it'll tell you what's available and what state even in a lot of cases
0: um
1: you. you should be able to find it that way but yeah um and what 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 they will call it though in most schools is abstinence education okay and it's very it's done on purpose because as you know they like to um downplay abstinence education right because as it doesn't work right that's what they always say yeah. okay found sure. the link yeah. for yeah. that article. Although
0: I still use that term. I've thought about no, it. No, I know. It's like but just so you tolerance. know, when you use that but, you with, with
1: most people, they're not going to listen to you because they've been brainwashed to say that doesn't work. And so, um, whereas I've seen, you know, the kids coming out out of these lessons, I spoke to a nurse um, and this just breaks my heart. She works in the ER uh, in Orange County. And she said, we always know when the sex education you know, lessons are being done, usually in March or April, she said, because we start getting girls and boys, usually girls in here with objects stuck.
2: <laughs> it's I'm, terrible. I, I mean, that's I, just oh heartbreaking,
1: my, right? Oh she goodness. says, oh, they must be doing sex education. This SRR, what, what the, the risk reduction, is supposed to reduce HIV and reduce teen pregnancy. That's its goals. Okay, but it's also supposed to get kids to accept gender ideology, right? And to um, to accept that abortion is a viable option should you find yourself pregnant. I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't you get pregnant if you're just throwing sex at these kids all day, you know, and telling them all the ways they can do it? Of course, they're going to get pregnant. Um, but they keep saying, oh, no, no, no. So their whole big thing is, you know, teaching kids how to use, um, you know, condoms and my friend who worked for Planned Parenthood said the same thing she goes even that that whole thing they do um, role plays where that is taught to children as how to make even that something that is seen as erotic and I'm thinking this is insane you know and yet they're telling these kids to try all these different things are they telling girls that if they have more than two abortions they can't carry a child to term no are they telling girls about the psychological trauma they will go through from, a, from having sex as a child? No. Are they telling boys what it will do to them and their future ability to connect with a woman as in a married re- committed relationship to have sex with everybody they see, girl or boy? No. Are they telling them if they take hormones, they have to stay on them forever and then it will affect their bone density and their heart health and all this other stuff? No. So the SRA programs, again, they teach the children the the basics that you need to know as far as like how you get pregnant, how you get an STD, all these things, but they don't go into the how-to manual that the SRR programs do. The SRR programs are essentially a how to have sex. (laughs) And their stated goal is, um, I remember hearing a quote and I've been able to quote it since, which is pretty good for me because I usually can't quote. Um, it was back from like 1994 in um, the, I think it was the Cairo document in the UN, and they said um, women have a right to sexual pleasure without the forced burden,
2: burden of, motherhood. of motherhood. Burden of motherhood, I think it was, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I and remember. that was in
1: the 90s. So yeah. think where it's gotten now. <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: yeah you know i mean they want they want they want to have their cake and eat it too and i mean it's the same thing with everybody like the abortion argument is the same thing everyone says well you know women have a right to choose i said yes they do they have a right to choose what to do with their bodies right and they're saying they should be able to do all these things and not have to deal, deal with, with the consequence of what they chose to do Yeah. and that's considered choice in their book
2: yeah so. there's a lot there's a lot of uh the emperor has no clothes uh about all of this and what one of the things i, I looked at the website of your organization uh mm-hmm. united families international and one of the things that particularly struck me and i liked was the false narratives section mm-hmm. because i i i believe there's an awful lot of that about and personally i i believe i mean this is like uh it's extremely spiritual it's like mm-hmm. th- this is the deceiver deceiving this is mm-hmm. the garden of eden all over again where the serpent spins this beautiful story to eve go ahead do this everything will be wonderful and uh, it, it, it isn't because it's uh, it's a it's a pleasing plausible lie with with disastrous consequences and that's uh, a lot of this stuff is exactly yes that.
1: I I like to, I like to say it as, you know, like, okay, think about this. If they were to talk to children and we talk to children more about the consequences of decisions, good and bad. Hmm. So teach them how to make a good choice is a huge thing we need to teach kids how to make a good decision and then how to set a goal and how to say, I want to do this. You know, I want to make sure I do this and to teach them, you know, that forming a family is the most important thing you will ever do on this earth the most important no one's telling them that no one and they're they're seeing it as well i mean one of my daughters has a has a friend who posted on facebook very proudly and happily that she's going to artificially inseminate herself and have her own child she's not married (laughs) she doesn't have a boyfriend she just wants to be a mom yeah and i'm saying and at first my daughter said Well, I mean, at least, you know, she's been, she, she has a way to take care of it. And I said, no, sweetheart. I said that child doesn't deserve that. That child does not deserve that. And it's not a matter of judging this, 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 this friend of hers. It's just to say, there is a way to ensure that children have the best chance possible to succeed, to be happy, to be emotionally stable. And that is not by getting a sperm donor that's not how it works right (laughs) so you know it's wonderful that she wants to be a mother and whatever she has these desires but why doesn't she focus on healthy family formation instead of saying well for me i want to be a mother so i'm going to do it again it's a kind of a selfish thing it looks like it's unselfish but it's kind of selfish right because you're 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 saying this child doesn't deserve to have a father yeah i'm going to just create this
2: it's it's another example of of a child a potential child in this case uh being created or they're older used for the for the for the for the benefit of the adult mm-hmm. it, it's like the, it's not for the child in in my presentation earlier i, I was i, I like that you just said uh you know the child doesn't deserve this there should mm-hmm. be a lot more thought about what does a child from yeah. its conception deserve Mm-hmm. Because they, they can't protest and demand no. their rights. It, it, it's, it's the adults involved in that child's creation and life that have that responsibility. But that child deserves a lot more than many children are actually uh, getting and experiencing.
1: Exactly. And I think that the more I mean, one of the things that United Families does, and you, you probably saw some of that on the website, is we collect social science research on, that has to do with the family. And all the social science research shows the same thing, that if you get married first with zero to one, you know, sexual partner, hopefully zero. I mean, think about things you're avoiding. You're avoiding the STDs. You're avoiding, you know, the the uh, someone pressuring you to have an abortion. You're avoid, You're more mature because to make a decision to get married is a mature decision, right? For you to make that decision, you're making a commitment to another person under the name of God, right, to to have a life together. But then even then, like I think I, I said last time, it's a box check for so many people. You know, it's like, I, I want to get married because I, I want, you know, I, I just, it just sounds wonderful. I'm thinking, well, what's your goal for once you're married? What's your goal as husband and wife? What are your goals? Are you going to have kids? Oh, we didn't talk about that. Well, <laughs> you know, all these things, if we start teaching children when they're young, What does it feel like to be married? What does it look like to be married? What does it look like to be a parent? They don't naturally know these things. I think we think they just absorb it through osmosis, but they don't like they, you have to have, that's why I say the talk is multiple talks. You have to have these talks many, many times as the whole time they're growing up to help them respect the process and to, to desire it. That's the biggest thing, right? And they have to desire it and they have to to desire it. They have to know why it's desirable. Right. So if they don't know why it's desirable, why would they want it? (laughs) It's like, so all this stuff is like these conversations all are so important for kids to have, because I'm telling you, as you, as you know, yeah, I'm speaking to the choir here, but they're not hearing this anywhere else. They're just not, you know, I mean, just how to go about selecting the person you want to date and marry just that is a conversation that people aren't having. And I tell my kids all the time, just getting along with someone really well is not enough. They need to be a good partner. They need to be, you need to have common goals. You need, so you can have a lot of fun with this person. You get along great. My son had to break up with a girl uh, last November. they had been dating for almost a year because he kept saying, I want to get married. I want to have kids, you know? And she's like, oh, well, I'm not ready for that. And so he finally realized, she doesn't want what I want. She's a good person. We get along great. We don't have the same goals. So kids need to know how to set goals. They need to find someone else who has those same goals, right? Because otherwise, how are they ever really going to progress as a couple if they're both on different tracks? And that's why you have so much divorce, right? And then bringing a kid into that because you think a kid's going to fix it or you think it'd be fun to be a mom, it makes it worse. So All of these things, I think, again, it's just respecting people and respecting the fact that your life has a purpose and that God sent you here for a reason. You know, like, why are you here? What are you doing here? What do you want to get done while you're here? All those things, I think, are are huge. Huge.
0: Amen. Okay. (laughs) Thank God. Well, it's been a good conversation. So this ends our seminar. (laughs) We conclude our seminar. Thank you for joining us today um For the seminar on strengthening families and communities, it's obviously a very, very needed conversation. And let's hit the streets running in the sense of, you know, there's a lot of things to do. You can join and become a chapter of Urban Life Training, for instance, teach the absence center materials. I'm definitely promoting that because that's something we really need to do to break this cycle of you know out of wedlock children and all the consequences so thank you and for joining us and we'll see you again next time